0: My state, we keep track of statistics on crime as it relates to illegal immigrants coming over. We have a lot of crime. We've had over 1,200 homicides. We have thousands of crimes. And so it does affect us. Are you saying 1,200 homicides associated with illegal immigrants? Yeah, we started keeping statistics. Our state police started keeping statistics in 2011. We've had over 1,200 homicides by illegals since we started keeping those statistics. My father loved his family. (laughs) He had a very complicated work schedule, so I didn't get to see him much but the day that I was gonna be able to see him when he got home from work, after I hadn't seen him for two days, he got picked up by ice and I couldn't see him at all.
1: I think the issue there was to not only provide protection, which is what he wants to do as it relates to borders, but I think also the issue has to, uh, you have to look at compassion. How do you bring the human element into this situation so that you can provide human dignity and respect and care and compassion? For a Christian to quote Romans 13, over jesus of nazareth as if mm-hmm. jesus of nazareth doesn't exist that that it seems to me is highly problematic and it's just flat out wrong it's unbiblical it's unchristian and it's unAmerican.
2: american well listen it's not unreasonable To refer to scriptures, especially if you're a Bible believer, it's not unusual to refer to scriptures as a basis to validate any actions that you engage in. Once again, if you're a Bible believer, we oftentimes use scripture to confirm or validate actions or activity that we engage in. I don't see anything wrong with Jeff Sessions utilizing that scripture because that scripture simply says to obey the civil authorities. Notice something. Jesus nor the apostle Paul never endorsed sedition or rebellion or violent uprising against Rome. And in using that scripture, he was saying that in order to advance our cause, violence is not the way. Obey the laws of the land so they won't have a reason to accuse us for any wrongdoing. Obey the laws of the land and put other matters into the hands of God.
0: Life matters and the issues in life matter because they affect how we live our lives. In this podcast, Pastor Walt McFadden thinks out loud about truth and discerns how it is being applied to everyday life. Thinking Out Loud podcast is a production of City View Church in Minneapolis, Minnesota.
1: Pastor Walt, today we're going to tackle very troubling issue and a very difficult issue because I don't think people know what to do with it. Immigration, that's the topic we're going to talk about today. Immigration has been in the news constantly, one way or the other, and it really it's been in, in the forefront for at least a decade or more. And past presidents all campaigned that we're going to do something with immigration and none of them have. And so that leaves us with the mess today. So your thoughts as you think out loud today on immigration
2: toughest topic yet that i have to tackle so i'm going to lean on you a little bit today larry you can help me and okay. feel free to break in if you've got some points of clarification but let me just start with my immigration solution there is a solution it's very easy but i'm not a politician and i don't have to play to my base or to my constituency but my solution is everybody stays all the criminals are deported our jails are In some states, up to 60, 70% are illegal immigrants. The taxpayers are footing the bill for that. How about a graduated status for each generation? give everybody workers' papers who are here, first-generation illegal immigrant, and then maybe the the children of those illegal immigrants qualify for a, a graduated status, and then the grandchildren, maybe they're granted some type of full citizenship if they go through the process like everybody else does. I like what John Piper had to say is that fines should be paid. You are paying a fine for just about every single law that you break in the United States. So people would pay a fine. So that's my simple immigration solution, and it's probably just too difficult for politicians. I'm, I'm pretty down on politicians. I don't put any faith in them or any hope in them. I just put my faith in Jesus Christ. And now we have a president who, rightly or wrongly, is enforcing immigration law, and everybody is, is up in arms about it. So we want laws on the books, but we don't want to enforce them. And right away, just by me saying that, people are going to think that I'm very conservative on the immigration issue, but I just told you what my solution is, and I don't think that's a real hard-line decision. We're not going to deport these people. They've been here for too long. So that's, that's my, my simple solution to the immigration problem.
1: Well, it's very compassionate, very merciful. And I think as Christians, that's what we have to do toward it. You know, Walt, I was looking through the internet and, and looking for the kinds of policies that other world countries have. And it's amazing. There's not a lot reported, but there are some. And like, for example, Germany, which President Merkel has opened her borders to millions of immigrants, but that's kind of a legal process. But the illegal immigrants that are there. They started their policy by cracking down on employers. In Mexico, for example, they actually fine illegal immigrants who come from South American countries. The Cubans and Nicaraguans and all of that come into Mexico and they get fined. So, you know, we're not by any means in the United States overly mean or tyrannical or whatever toward immigrants. When you look at the world picture.
2: No, America doesn't get enough credit for how compassionate they are. We allow a million immigrants to come in the United States every single year. What a lot of people don't know is that during the early 20th century, we let millions of immigrants come in and then the United States decided, let's stop this, let's let them assimilate, let's let them become a part of the culture, begin to speak the language, become a part of American culture and then again opened up with immigration reform under John F. Kennedy. During World War II, about 5 million migrant workers came into the United States and President Truman deported them. So we don't have a problem with people coming in the United States and being sent back. But if it works to a politician's favor to get reelected or to make an issue to make the other side look bad, they're going to take advantage of that. And that's what's happened. What bothers me and again, I'm a solution-oriented, is what are we going to say about what's happened in the past? America has done terrible things, and even before the existence of the the United States as we know it, there were the conquistadors landed, took over the Aztec empire. How far back in history are we going to go? How long do we have to pay the price? And does America have the right to have borders? to have laws, to enforce immigration. While well, getting into a biblical exegesis, God instituted at the Tower of Babel that there would be nations. And those nations were formed because man was getting to the point where he's going to harm himself. We know that Nimrod built the Tower of Babel. And it says there that, in the original Hebrew, that he was really an oppressor of men. He was enslaving people. And so God says, this is not good. It's a very difficult language to translate from the Hebrew. What really God was saying is, there's no evil that man is not going to be able to do if he stays united. So God confuses their language, sends them in different languages. Let's think about if we had an open border policy. Let's suppose that the Soviet Union had taken over the entire world and then everybody is under their border. Is that the kind of world that we want to live in? Or some other dictator or oppressive empire in history. Nations keep other nations accountable. And sometimes it turns ugly with war. But it's good that we have borders and that we hold one another accountable. We don't want one world government. There's this idea, naively, that if we have open borders, then we have, then we have peace in the world. Well, we don't have peace in the world if we have open borders because men are sinful and they want to rule over one another. It's our natural, sinful nature. And again, it goes back to a theological issue. We are sinners. That's my perspective. And other people said, no, we're good, and we're always going to wind up doing the good thing. But history tells us otherwise.
0: You're listening to Thinking Out Loud with Pastor Walt McFadden.
1: You just sparked a thought in, in me, Walt, as you're thinking out loud, is the management issue. Because it's a whole lot easier to manage a city or a county, or a state than it is a national government, right? You're able to, to get things done at a local level. You know the people that are there. Well, that's the same thing here when you deal with one world government. I mean, I just can't imagine what you just said if it was a reality. I mean, it would be a mess, and you'd have more anarchy on the local level than you would, you know, law and order.
2: Yeah, that's exactly the point, and we're getting to the point where we're coming to anarchy in the United States with the idea of sanctuary cities. We're going to disobey federal law. Sometimes in the history of our country, it's been good to disobey federal law. But in this case, I think we are getting ahead of ourselves and not holding our politicians accountable and forcing them to make a decision and Like we were discussing before the podcast, every single president and every politician said that they are going to do welfare reform, and we haven't had it since Ronald Reagan signed off on the amnesty for 5 million illegal immigrants. And that shows, again, the the compassion of our country. I think we failed to realize how compassionate our nation is. When you talk to immigrants who come to the country, they do recognize that when they come and they get health care and they get housing and they are eventually able to work a job and they're not always sent back to their home country if they're here as a refugee. America is very compassionate. In the 1930s, we had the Dust Bowl and people were driving from Oklahoma to California and running out of gas and America said, we're never going to let this happen again. We don't want our own people to starve. So we put in a safety net. And one of my other problems is that when people come to the United States, we need to give them something more than welfare. If they're going to be here, let's give them a quick path to earning a living of holding them accountable, getting them to pay taxes for their own benefit. And then they can really realize the american dream
1: correct me if i'm wrong but wasn't the potato famine in ireland one of the reasons we have so many irish in New York City on the West Coast because they came to America because they were starving. Now, that's kind of a different thing almost than what it is today to some degree. But it seems to me that immigration should be something which, like you said earlier, could be managed by people of industry. I mean, infrastructure in the United States can handle more than a million, supposedly. I mean, that's why they set a million legal immigrants every year because they know there's not that many places where they can live they can go to school, because all of that creates a problem upon our infrastructure. But let me ask you a question. I hope you can answer it. Why are sanctuary cities and why are we so concerned to break the law for people coming to America that are illegal? What is it in the mindset that sets a person in that direction?
2: Well, if I were to look honestly at human nature, I would say it is to the advantage of the politicians in those cities to allow those people to say, because they're going to vote for them. But that's a plain and simple fact is that When people come, they see that the Democratic Party is sort of the party with the safety net. They're going to take care of them. And so they're more inclined to vote for the Democratic Party. They may come from a socialist-leaning country. And so that's sort of their bent. And they're told the Republican Party is the conservatives. And you want to stay away from them. And you want to vote to to your benefit. So I know we don't like to talk about those things. And it sounds judgmental. But it is, and maybe I would feel the other way if I were a Republican and they were coming into the country and tending to vote Republican, maybe I would say, well, let's have amnesty for them. We fail to recognize, again, the sinfulness of human nature, that we want what is in our own best interest. The Democrat Party has the lockdown on major cities in the country, and that's where we're seeing the sanctuary cities. They may respond and say, well, we're trying to force the U.S. government to do something about immigration. I just don't think this is the way to do it and to go about it. And we've seen this banter back and forth about Romans chapter 13, obey the laws of the nation. And I think there is some credibility to that idea that early Christianity was birthed in one of the most oppressive empires in the history of the world. Comparing the Roman Empire and the United States is like night and day. It's impossible to compare the two. Very oppressive. Over half the empire were slaves. And yet Paul says to the church in Rome that you have to obey those authorities over you because God is ultimately in authority over them. God has placed them in power. And it goes back to the idea of the sovereignty of God, that God is in control. I don't think that we are justified in a nation that takes such good care of immigrants, of disobeying the U.S. government. Again, giving them benefits, housing, health care, all of those things when when they come in. There's also the idea of how it affects other immigrants around the world. And when we were helping plant a Brazilian church... There would be occasionally Brazilian couple or individual who would come to faith in Christ, and they would feel convicted about coming here illegally, and they would go back to Brazil. They felt that they had broken the law, and they were disobedient, and it wasn't that the church had a particular opinion or viewpoint. They weren't telling people, you've received Christ, you're a Christian, now you need to go back to Brazil. Oftentimes, they were making these decisions on their own. We need to go back, and we need to come back to the United States legally. I also think about kind of a humorous story on a Sunday in my previous church, a woman from Africa passed a note to the senior pastor and says, please pray that I win the lottery. And we kind of laughed about that. She wants to win the lottery, but she was talking about the immigration lottery. And if she didn't win the immigration lottery, she was going to have to be sent back to her original nation. And so there are cases of people feeling a conviction about their being here illegally and obedience to the law. And that's where maybe the idea of graduated citizenship or paying a fine would come into place because there are people who can't cross a border to get to the United States who are in far more oppressive situations than we find now. Then, of course, we discover there are a lot of pictures that are being taken about the children, the families at the border that have been proven false. The practice was instituted in 2014, not under the Trump administration. So there's a lot of politics and there's a lot of phoniness by the press. And so people need to be informed and read. So read an article that is as far left as you can find and then read an article as far right as you can find and you'll find the truth probably somewhere in the middle.
1: It would almost seem that if we could get just get politics out of the issue, get both parties out, and let's look at the issue from not only a humanitarian, compassionate side, but also from a legal side. We have to protect America against things that are not healthy for our country. And as some have stated that some Middle Eastern people who are not friends of democracy in the United States have come through illegally, and that bothers me a lot. Because we have now imported, allowed the importation of terrorism into America, maybe through our undocumented borders. I I just think every American should be concerned about that. Because whether it's our schools or our uh, sporting events, whatever it may be, are subject to this kind of terrorism.
2: Yes, and again, when I look at the history of our nation and how it was formed, some people are saying, That we have to open up our borders to Mexico because during the Mexican American War, the United States stole land from Mexico. Are we going to be like Middle Eastern countries that carry back grudges for literally thousands of years, or are we going to just move forward on issues and say, yes? America has committed its share of sins just like any other nation, but we can't have anarchy. We have to have some common sense and we have to move forward in the most compassionate way possible. And again, look at what we've done to the Native American people. Rather than assimilating them into the culture, we've put them out on reservations, and it's really a sentence to poverty and to a life where you don't you can't build a legacy or an inheritance for your family We have to somehow solve the issue and the problem of immigration, of assimilating the people back into the nation. Is there racism in this? Of course there's racism in this. Is America a wicked nation? Of course it is. We abort babies. We celebrate homosexual marriage. There are all kinds of things that we can say. And as Christians, I'm looking for the Christian solution. I'm looking for the kingdom solution. We are not of the world. We're building our own separate kingdom. And it is impossible to build a kingdom through the world. We have to do it as a church. And if the church can't stop the bickering and the complaining and the arguing and just the ridiculous talk about how America stole the land in the first place so they don't have any moral ground to stand on. I think we've tried, in many cases, to right the wrongs of the past. And maybe it's not perfect, but it's an imperfect kingdom. It's a kingdom of the world. But what is the church going to do? We are saying that, for the most part, I read through comments from a number of prominent evangelical leaders, ones that we would respect And for the most part, every one of them said we need to find a way to keep people here, not break up families. It's just the method of how we go about it. Look, if people want to build a wall and that gets us legal status, why is that a big deal? So what? Let them build a wall. I don't know if a wall will work or not, but who cares? If it's a compromise, just do it. And the moral pontificating by our politicians, oh, whatever it is, $36 billion. Are you serious? The way our government wastes money, that we're concerned about $36 billion for a wall or whatever it might cost? Let's get this thing done and and get this over with and move on. I don't think our politicians want it solved. I don't think they want to move on. I think they want to use this issue to stick it to one another and try to get the moral high ground and play to their base. But that's not how we're to operate in the kingdom. You know, I really spoke strongly to my congregation this past Sunday. The minute we start a discussion, we call a person uncompassionate, we call them racist. That has no place in the body of Christ. We have to leave our personal feelings out of it. Isn't that a revolutionary idea in the church? We've got to leave our personal feelings out of it. There's a verse I found as we get close to the end here that I thought was really powerful. And Leviticus 19.15, You shall do no injustice in judgment. You shall not be partial to the poor, nor defer to the great, but you are to judge your neighbor fairly. Isn't that amazing that we shouldn't be partial to the poor? We shouldn't be partial to the immigrant. We shouldn't be partial to the foreigner or the rich or whoever it might be. Sometimes we can use some common sense and address these kinds of issues in a very practical manner. But it's just as bad to give partiality to a poor person than it is to a rich person, to judge fairly. Here's an issue that I thought about from the early church. I've been reading some books about the early church. It's really fascinating. But you had a culture, because of the sexual promiscuity, people were throwing their babies in the trash. So they wouldn't necessarily abort the baby. They would have the baby And Christians would walk through the alleys in the early mornings of the hour listening for the cries of the infant, and they would pull the baby out of the trash, and they would bring it home, and they would adopt it. And you can see even the Apostle Paul talks so much about adoption. It was an important part in the Roman Empire to be adopted by somebody, to be given an inheritance, to be given status in the culture. So they didn't bypass the law. They didn't go down to Caesar's palace and protest abortion or tossing babies. By their actions, they set an example for the world. There is value in this life. Same thing with marriage. Women were treated as second-class citizens, no better than a slave. A, A man could have multiple wives, mistresses, and then came Christianity into the world and said, no, a woman is valuable. She deserves to have one husband, and he needs to serve her and devote his life to serving her as Christ devoted his life to serve the church. So the church needs to begin to look for actions that are not like the world putting a banner up on a church and saying that you can hide out in my church, in our church, if you're here illegally and you're fearful of the government. The the first thing that does is cause people to be fearful. Our government is not rounding up people randomly and deporting them from the country. By and large, it's only if you are to commit a crime. So that's not the purpose of the government. So we can, as you said, begin to express some type of sensible, sensible, reform, immigration reform policy to the government that the government may pick up on. In other words, stop yelling at each other, stop calling each other racist, stop calling each other extremists, and let's come to some kind of middle ground and ignore the extremists. So do the opposite of the government. The government listens to the extremist. We listen to the extremist on the left or the right. Stop listening to those people in the church and say, we're going to start having conversations. And if a person has a conversation with you and says something that you don't like, you have an obligation as a believer to listen to this person, to their side of the story, and to love them as your brother or sister in Christ and not berate them or belittle them or put them down because of their opinion. We've got to start to talk in the church because the world is not talking.
1: And I go back to that passage the Attorney General referred to in Romans 13, talking about, you know, obey the laws of the land. When you talk about the context of God's law, God's law is always for protection, it's always for peace, it's always for harmony. And so that's why when you look at the issues that we are facing with immigration reform, all the issues, challenges that we have
0: seen over the last couple of weeks, you have to have a come together approach. We hope you enjoyed the podcast today and please let us know your thoughts on our topic. We want to hear your feedback and your concerns as you think out loud. Please visit us at cvcmpls.org. That's cvcmpls.org. This podcast is listener-supported. Please consider how you can help by going to our website at cvcmpls.org.